The virtual CISO moment is brought to you by VCISO Services, a leading provider of quality and experienced virtual chief information security officers for small and mid-sized businesses. Check them out at vcisoservices.com. Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CSO Moment. Steve Mallard joins us. He's an IT pro who's been around in IT for well over 20 years. He's got a master teacher in information technology and infrastructure management and information systems manager and manager um, for a technical college and private consultant, technical writer, public speaker on cybersecurity and conference organizer. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Greg. I really appreciate it. So a lot of experience doing an awful lot of stuff. I know that uh, I've known you for a long time because we both were in higher ed. Uh, I think you started uh, with the Board of Regents around the same time I did because I started at MTSU, I think, in 98-ish. Was that around the time that you started? Yes, sir. Mine was 99. Sure was. So a lot of things have changed. And I realized, actually, I've been away from MTSU now almost as long as I was there, which is scary to think about. (laughs) I mean, 12 years now. But uh, please uh, tell us about your path, how you started out in IT and where you're at today. The the biggest thing is I have to back up seeing your uh, Desert Storm hat in the background. You know, thank you for your service. I was in the Army also. Oh, thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the biggest thing is I worked on attack helicopters. So I began working with computers in 1983. So in 1983, when I first went to school, I began working with computers. Of course, they were monsters back then to use to calibrate this equipment. And uh, going from there, um, you know, and getting more and more computer skills in the military, I left the military. And once I left the military, um, I became a nephrology technologist. And I began to work in manufacturing. And as a nephrology technologist, that's healthcare, but I work manufacturing also. And and, and what is a nephrology technology? I'm sorry for interrupting. I, I don't think I... I got that out right. Did I pronounce it right? No, you said it right. Yeah. Uh, a nephrology technologist is someone who works on um, uh, hemodialysis machines and equipment, which are computers that actually dialyze blood or they purify the blood with people that have kidney disease. Okay. So, okay. so then we touch on that type of computer. And then, of course, working in manufacturing, uh, they noticed that um, I had a skill for building databases. So I, I began with Paradox 3.5, and then it grew from there. And uh, somewhere along the way, uh, I started working with uh, local law enforcement. And then, of course, the modern PC started to come about in the 90s. I had done the manufacturing, the, uh, the hemodialysis, or being a nephrology technologist, the military when the personal PCs came about, a lot of self-taught stuff, started going to seminars, started learning. Uh, then I actually went to school with, with the college that I'm at now, and I took keyboarding or what have you. And then I had some personal mentors that worked manufacturing, and then it just grew from there. And they wanted me to put together a program. So back in the 90s, we put together what was known as the Computer Operations Technology Program. Uh, which later grew to the Computer Information Technology Program and then to what we call today ITIM. But over a series of time, I had both mentors. I was attending schools, um, and I was attending seminars and any way I could learn computers. And that brings you to uh, you do a couple of things for the college right now. You're an instructor yeah. and the mm-hmm. manager? 
Well, actually, now I've kind of stepped out of that. I'm stepping out of that managerial role, and we've got somebody who works IT and does the IT for the college, and I'm actually retiring in 15 working days, and I'll be working with a Department of Defense contractor, and I currently work as the subject matter expert. And I've got a little history I'd like to tell you about on that. Uh, Ironically, how I got into cybersecurity was back in 2000, uh, nobody had a firewall. It it was just unheard of. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. sonar alarms started coming out and all the software-based firewalls. Windows didn't even have a firewall. Um, Linux had some firewalls that were crude and primitive or what have you. And uh, me and my counterpart had noticed that we started getting these IP addresses. We didn't have the who is and uh, all this good stuff. So you had to really look them up on IANA and he really had to dig to see who owned an IP address. And we found out it was Russians and Chinese and uh, Americans and people were hitting uh, our routers and they were hitting servers that, that were not in essence, what we look at today compared to then that was just unprotected. And then I said, I've got to know more about security. And I started digging and finding these people that were in it that had seen the same thing as, um, that I had seen. And the irony is, I want to tell you this, Greg, uh, when I look at this history of how I came to be all the way out of the army and I had a lot of mentors and attended, uh, different schools and these seminars, when I started talking about cybersecurity, nobody could answer my questions. And we even reached out to not just law enforcement, but state uh, level and on a federal level. And believe it or not, they did not have those cyber uh, forensics crews they have today, even though we've got the 1986 Computer Intrusion Act and all this stuff. So I've watched the evolution of cybersecurity grow over the years, and I've tried to dig in and put my finger on everything. And Anyway, uh, so my role uh, is a master teacher, and um, when we made the ITM program, we've won approximately 16 uh, national awards. We've appeared in Computer World, SC Magazine. We were named in the uh, top uh, five best security programs in the nation. Uh, Tech Target recognized us. Uh, uh, in Computer World, we were recognized as a laureate. And uh, we actually had tied with Duke University, and we had beat out MIT for learning wow. innovation, swear. And uh, the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, it's kind of hard to put it together in my head, ask us to testify uh, and to come in. And, and it was talking about the security in uh, collegiate and university medical research facilities. And um, so went to D.C. to testify before them. Um uh, and we've spoke all over the nation, Washington, D.C., to Colorado. Um, and along the way, the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security picked up on that. And because of our experience, they asked us to become subject matter experts for them. And just over the years, when I look at my role, my role primarily to the college is a teacher. But uh, on a side level, as I give up the um information management side of it to someone else um and i'm still sliding over into that homeland security or tennessee department of safety and homeland security where i assist those guys and have assisted them since 2012 and we actually protect or help to protect the infrastructure in the state of tennessee and we go down to the port of memphis um usually every year or two 
and we check out the Port of Memphis and we um, do vulnerability testing with partners at the Port of Memphis uh, with the uh, Coast Guard, Homeland Security. And there's a House bill that actually passed and was signed into law May the 19th, I think. Uh, uh, Representative Pat Marsh actually put this in place and it recognizes the um, Tennessee College of Applied Technology Shelby Bills Security Operations Center and their students for protecting the infrastructure in the United States and for having the first SOC that a student ran, which is pretty cool. Wow. And and having that student experience, I'm sure, um, a student in cybersecurity trying to break in, having that SOC experience has got to be invaluable. How have you seen that prepare them for their career in cyber? Oh, wow. We actually just put this sock in there uh, two years ago. Uh, we have a facility that's at the Middle Tennessee Education Center in Shelbyville. And we had this room and the president of our college and I had this vision that we could do something as far as cybersecurity. And I said, we are to put in a security operations center and plant sensors all across Middle Tennessee at different locations under different ISPs. So you could see the hit. So it could become very similar to a, the National Weather Service. So you could see a pattern on one side of the state go across the state to another side. So it's helped the students uh, for the sheer fact that they can see those scene-based systems. They can see those firewalls. They can see the hits. They see the reality of it. And because they see these centers across the, um, the state of Tennessee, they can compile reports and then take those reports and we send them to Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security to say, this is the, these are some of the patterns that we see. And then they can share those with MSISAC or anybody that they want to share. And um, the students actually make the reports where they're exportable, where they can be imported into Fortinet and WatchGuard or, or whoever, Barracuda. And, um, you know, so we've seen a increase where we have a 95% uh, placement rate and a 98% retention rate, which is just unheard of in wow. colleges. We put out approximately 40 to 60 students annually are graduating. And with a 95% placement, they're not all in cybersecurity, of course. I mean, we have help desk and networking and what have you. But this increase that we've seen in um, these uh, military bases and uh, these socks who reach out and say, and they're saying, give me your top-notch students and send the resumes and let me hire these folks. So we've seen a, a just a catastrophic increase. That's amazing. So how has this, um, your, your past that you were talking about, how did that lead to or was it part of you working to bring about the Middle Tennessee Cyber Conference, which has uh, been around for what, about 12 years now? It's been around for about 12 years. Um, actually, that was uh, Agent James Cotter of the Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security said, Steve, do you think we could have a cyber conference? And I said, I think it'd be great. Now, there were small cyber conferences going around. Black Hat was really beginning to take off. DEF CON, of course. Right. And he says, but we need something that educates and doesn't sell. We don't want folks, we want folks to be able to sell their products, even the people who come up there and speak, but we want them to come in and educate folks. And I said, yeah, I think we can do this. 
And when we put it together, it was a one-day event where uh, we were going to Middle Tennessee State University. Folks would come in. We have about eight speakers. And um, within two or three years, some folks said, hey, can we play a capture the flag? But we want it to be different. We want it to be realistic. And we threw that together. Now, uh, the Middle Tennessee Cyber Conference, we haven't missed a year, even with the pandemic. We, we missed two in-persons but we were able to do a virtual capture the flag because we have that security operations center. <laughs> of, of course, we, we moved some computers over into a DMZ, made them vulnerable. We isolated them and air gapped them. And then we allowed people to attack them. But the middle Tennessee cyber conference over the years has grown. We've brought in people from uh, former uh, NSA this year. We have Neil bridges, you mm-hmm. yourself, uh, you're going to be speaking at it. And, uh, um, you know, and not to flatter you, but I've listened to your podcast and they're fantastic. And it's not because I'm on your podcast now, but <laughs> that's all uh, right. I'll pay you the five dollars after. There you go. Uh, but we've had <laughs> Thank people you. like Betsy, Betsy Wodenberg and Jason East Street, and um, you know, we've had Secret Service, we've had FBI, we've had um, U.S. Treasury come in. And um, and now we're reaching out more into that private industry where we have Corey Brown, Corgi, um, who helps organize DC 615. Uh, we have uh, two fantastic guys. Um, and, you know, I've got an agenda. Um, uh, uh, Brent White, Brent, uh, you know, I always forget Brent's name, which is crazy. Him and Tim Roberts give a physical how to break in things. If you've never seen that, it's just, it will just blow you away. And they're part of, we hack people. Um, and let's see, Michelle Drolet, who owns tire wall. She was the founder and CEO. Right. She's coming out of Massachusetts. Um, we've got Peter Gallinari. And if you don't know Pete, uh, Pete is not only a security and data officer. Uh, if anybody listening to this podcast Googles him, he's played with some of the largest bands in the 70s as a keyboardist, and he's the most fantastic guy ever. And he knows cybersecurity, and he knows everything about uh, data privacy or what have you. Um, you know, Dustin Childs is going to be there uh, this year with Trend Micro. and um, But the reason I get so excited about it is to watch people's faces and to hear people that our CIOs all the way down to help desk. And when they come and they hear people like yourself or these folks speak, and it's not, this is my product. This is my product. This is my product. And when they're educating and they, they have something to take away and um, we get such positive feedback and then they can come in for day two, if they wish to do so, play the capture flag, we make it realistic. And then we debrief people so they can break in a SCADA device or what have you. We don't do red versus blue. Primarily, they are a red team, and then we educate them on what a blue team could done or could do to uh, secure it. But the um, the Middle Tennessee Cyber Conference during the pandemic, even we wanted to reach out to people, so we reached out to Alyssa Knight, and um, um, Alyssa uh, kindly did an interview uh, with us, and and uh, um, she's recognized uh, the most for hacking the police cars, and then later. Uh, now she's a movie producer slash cybersecurity guru uh, that I highly admire. Plus, uh, we we had people who interviewed such as Fabian Wassar. Uh, if um, Brett Callow was kind enough to hook me up with Fabian Wassar, 
And uh, Fabian is one of the most wanted cybersecurity good guys that's out there. And bad guys are even known to write in the ransomware, Fabian, please do not decrypt this. <laughs> and Fabian is the guy that uh, they're with uh, Emisoft. Mm-hmm. And um, just, but the Middle Tennessee Cyber Conference, the reason I get so pumped up about it, not because of helped organize it with James, is it allows people to network and become a community. And we've seen people come um, as far away as New York and um, we've had people come out of Europe or what have you, just so they can come down and just meet uh, these speakers for that one day. And and the cost is free, right? Free, absolutely free. Zero dollars. Uh, you go in, we have vendors, uh, generally those vendors are paying for your, um, you know, your beverages and your snacks and all that good stuff. And, um, and of course, vendors give out swag that we all get. And, uh, um, you know, but it's, it's, it's just a good place to network with folks and to learn something. And uh, when and where is it this year? Uh, this year, it's going to be September the 13th. It's going to be uh, at the Embassy Suites. Um, and um, registration is at middle middle t middle t in cyberconf dot com. Okay, and we'll put that. I'll put that in the show notes. That link. So okay, fantastic. Uh, we're almost full now, but uh, you know we still have several seats that are available. Uh, folks are welcome to come, and um, and a lot of times our speakers like yourself and people. I watch you guys, you work the crowds too after hours and people are coming up and they're shaking your hands and stuff, which is fantastic. Well, that, but it's, it's coming up in September. So we're only about 50 something days away. And it's a great experience too. Not, not only if you've been in cyber for, for a while, I'm just getting back to those who are, are starting out. Cause this is such a big, big um, question on, on LinkedIn about how to get into cyber and, and, and the best things to look for. I always talk about networking and trying to absorb as much knowledge as yes. you can. What, what would you say would be one key bit of advice to give someone who is trying to break into cybersecurity? <clears throat> Number one, hands-on. Number two, certifications. And um, when I say that, it's not running out just to get your Security Plus or your CISSP or your CEH. Now, absolutely, you need those. You need those credentials because they're going to help you uh, gain that academic knowledge. But the hands-on portion of it, uh, the state of Tennessee, um, under uh, the Tennessee Lottery, you can go to school for free if you're a resident of the state of Tennessee. Now, um, financial aid people across the community colleges and uh, the technical schools can tell you all about that. But if you do not have time, you're working mom and dad and the schedule just doesn't meet it, build a home lab, get some virtual machines going, watch podcasts like your own or David Bomble or Network Chuck or uh, there's so many people out there. John Hammond, some really exceptional folks that are out there. Steve Gibson's one of my favorites. Steve Gibson, absolutely. Yeah. GRC, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was Gibson very... Research Corporation, I believe it stands for. I always want to say governance, risk, and compliance, but you know, right? <laughs> he and, had and GRC before GRC was cool, right? And he was <laughs> one of the first guys that did shields up. That's right. right. And he said, I think he says that he invented or he was uh, at least part of inventing like the antivirus or something along those lines. I don't know. Right. I, um, I would absolutely believe that. But and I was that, just going to 
I was just going to say that 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 uh, um, talking about the home lab too. I think that that is so important. I, I remember just talking about that on LinkedIn this past week when I was um, I did some um, writing back uh, 15, 17 years ago for Computer World, just freelance, and part of it was building a lab at my house. Now I had already been in cyber networking. We don't even think we called it cyber back then, but. Um, you can you can get equipment even back then it's like i ordered some stuff on ebay you can get like uh at the time i got hubs for that used to be at a bank i know because oh yeah they left, yeah they left the ip address on there so that was the first thing i checked is like where did this come from <laughs> but yeah I definitely you can build a home lab and build it relatively cheaply and and there's nothing nothing that compares with hands-on and and with people these things smartphones because people have smartphones today it it's it's a prime time right now during the summer. People can go to yard sales and garage sales and you can get a PC that's a quad core, eight core with eight gigabyte of RAM or something because people are getting rid of them uh, because mom and dad or whoever uh, is using smartphones more and more and they're streaming videos and they just don't use PCs like they used to. And, and as hard as that is to believe, I told my students that and then they start bringing in computers and they go, after hours, can I set this computer up? And you show me how to use um, VirtualBox or VMware Player or whatever. And I go, absolutely, because we're, you know, if, if it was, we teach that in class along with ESXi and some advanced stuff. But if they have not reached that stage, I go, yeah, I'll show you. And then a lot of times what folks will say is, what should I do on this home lab when I get it? If you go up and you, and you subscribe to some of the YouTube channels that you and I have mentioned, and if they're doing something, Go out and do it. And if you mess up a virtual machine, big deal. You can just tear it. You know, you can delete it and do it again. And the big thing is, I apologize. And the the big thing is, is you can delete it and you can download the uh, Linux for free and Microsoft, the 120 day trials. You can download them all yep. day long and you can run that 120 days so that you can try server or what have you. Yeah. And uh, I, and there's always like some other free opportunities that are cr uh, uh, cropping up. I've been listening in on offensive security. They've been running like a free Kali Linux um, um, primer, if you will, as uh, oh, if, wow. you, if you were actually taking the offensive security, whatever that OSCP course is, 200, right. I think. Um, now, I've never, I've never done that, but I've been sort of listening in passively. Uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, they've been doing it for an hour each day. I think they're doing it through the beginning of September now. But there's always something cropping up and uh, um, so many opportunities for folks to just get out there and learn. Um, I do have to ask you this because I know uh, now I was never a full time instructor and uh, but but I, I, I did teach. I was an adjunct at Middle Tennessee State for a bit, taught uh, computer networking over there in the engineering department and even mm -hmm. just teaching one course could be a little bit stressful and and you juggling both being uh, uh, I know you're, you're 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 getting ready to retire but juggling teaching and and managing and all the other stuff you do setting up the conference and the speaking you do what what do you do to decompress because I think it's so important for people to walk away from IT and infosec every now and then yeah, it, it is important because it's always on your mind, especially uh, when you see the news or you have to keep up with trends or what have you. Um, drones in the back. I noticed that. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah, I noticed um, that. Remote control airplanes, drones, gardening with my wife, uh, seeing grandkids, uh, getting out and traveling. And you've got to learn how to turn that switch off. And for years and years and years, 
I could not turn that switch off, especially when you have students and students. It's not a 40 hour week job. And as you know, IT is not certainly not a 40 hour week job. And sometimes you just have to learn to uh, decompress. And, um, you know, that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, you know, decompressing, just thinking about flying. You know, I used to own a little airplane right out there at Shelbyville, and that used to be my decompression. I had a 172. I'd get up there. Sometimes I'd actually fly that up to Murfreesboro to go to work. So that tells me you knew Mr. Bomar. Right. Um, Bomar I, Airfield. I, I, it was at Bomar Field. I don't know if I ever, ever met him. Uh, the airport manager at the time was Hank Williamson. I remember. Oh, that. I know Hank. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I knew Hank. Well, we used to go out there and fly all the time. We uh, would I figured up, probably, we, yeah. We would, we would save out 20 bucks. Me and this is even before, um, I went into the military and Mr. Bomar would take us flying. And I still fi- find flying relaxing. I love it love it plus the remote control planes and everything else wow well listen that steve this has been a wonderful conversation i so much appreciate what you're doing for the community all all this it's like it takes it takes so much effort and there's so much value out of it i'm very much looking forward thank you for inviting me to uh to speak this year i'm very much looking forward to it um uh future plans outside of retiring um when I do retire, like I said, uh, I'm going to work uh, a modified work week uh, with right now what's an undisclosed partner uh, in the Department of Defense who uh, who is a contractor. Great. That's thanks. all I can say right now. But yeah. no, that's that's fine. I could tell you, but I'd have to kill you, right? No, no. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much for joining us again. The uh, Middle Tennessee Cyber Summit, yeah, Cyber Conference. It is September 13th at Embassy Suites in Murfreesboro. Check out the registration. We'll have the URL in the show notes and uh, very much appreciate you coming on. Fantastic. Thank you again, Greg. Thank you. And everybody stay secure.